Lent, Septuagesima, Septuagesima Tide or Gesima Tide. It goes by many names. But here we are in pre-Lent. Hi, I'm Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church, coming to you from Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, this year in Advent, we switched to the one-year lectionary. And one of the one of the reasons for that, one of the key differences in the historic traditional one-year lectionary from the three-year lectionary, is this pre-Lent season. Now, this name, Septuagesima, it sounds kind of weird the first time you hear it. It's Septuagesima Sunday. That's what today is called. And it's really just Greek for 70, meaning we're about 70 days away from Easter. Actually, we're in the Sunday within 70 days away from Easter, about 64 days away to be exact. And for these three Sundays, the purpose of these three Sundays for the season of pre-Lent is to prepare us for Lent by reminding us how the kingdom of God works. And today we'll hear that in the sermon. We'll be reminded that the kingdom of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens, Christ's reign works by his grace. Now, if you come into church to our divine service during the season, you'll notice that we'll have purple hanging up now. There's no Gloria, no hall, no Alleluia's. The service is simplified in that way. To prepare for Lent, we start to simplify the service. So we take away the Gloria, take away the Alleluia's. There might be less hymns, shorter prayers before the Eucharist. And you'll notice instead of a verse, we have what's called a gospel tract, a selection from the Psalms that prepares us for the gospel reading. So as we enter into pre-Lent, we begin to prepare for the Lenten season, for the intensity of the Lenten season. To consider to do things like fasting, not necessarily a food, but from luxuries that the flesh enjoys. To take away, maybe it's screen time, maybe it is food. Almsgiving and charity, how we can more love the neighbor during this time. And all of it to guide us into deeper reading, deeper listening of the scriptures, and more more prayer to God. As we'll hear, not to save ourselves, not to earn our salvation, but to cling closer to the cross of Christ as we live in his grace. Pre-Lent is preparing us for that penitential time of Lent. And we'll hear about that today in the sermon. So we now begin the season of pre-Lent with our matin service, beginning with our opening hymn.
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shall forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to Thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship Him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. Form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. Thou hast girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Therefore, Will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple.
Testament lesson for Septuagesima Sunday is written in the 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. All the congregation of Israel traveled from the wilderness of sin, starting according to the Lord's commandment, and encamped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. When Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people were thirsty for water there. So the people murmured against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk on before the people, and take the elders of Israel with you, and take the rod in your hand with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because the children of Israel quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us, or not? O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. The epistle is written in the ninth and tenth chapters of First Corinthians, beginning at the twenty-fourth verse. Brothers, don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run like that, that you may win. Every man who strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I, therefore, run like that, not aimlessly, I fight like that, not beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. However, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. 
Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the twentieth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was the master of a household, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his garden. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. He said to them, Why do you stand here all day, idle? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and you will receive whatever is right. When evening had come, the lord of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning from the last to the first. When those who were hired about the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise each received a denarius. When they received it, They murmured against the master of the household, saying, These last have spent one hour, and you have made them equal to us, whom have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a denarius? Take that which is yours and go your way. It is my desire to give to this last just as much as to you. Isn't it lawful for me to do what I want with what I own? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee.
We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Parable of the Laborers in the Vineyard. Now, it doesn't matter if you've heard this story just now for the very first time. It doesn't matter if you've heard it now for the uh, 1,000th time. Whenever we hear this story, we feel for these workers at the end of the day, these laborers, because we get it. Most of us have held hourly jobs. Some of you still do now. Most of us have worked long 12-hour days in those jobs. And think of it. If you were to start work at 6 a.m. and worked until 6 p.m., and in that time you saw someone else work just an hour from 5 to 6 at the end of the day, you would expect to get paid more. You wouldn't hope to get paid more. You would expect it. But now imagine come payday, that you find out that the person who worked only one hour got paid the exact same wage, the equal wage as you did for working 12 hours. You would be livid. We all would. It's the same way we feel maybe when a coworker gets, when we learn that a coworker gets paid a higher wage or a higher, higher salary for the same work. When that happens, we're not angry that the coworker got theirs. That's great for them. Good. We're angry because we want to make sure that we get ours. And if we worked longer or harder or better, we expect to get better than them. That's what makes this parable so relatable. We understand how these workers who worked all day, we understand how they feel. We understand how it's unfair to be paid the same when you did more work because that's how the world works. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you work more, contribute more, give more, suffer more, then you expect to be rewarded more. Again, it's how the world works. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. The parable isn't about how the world works. Instead, Jesus starts by saying, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. That is about, in other words, this is about the kingdom of heaven. This is about Jesus' reign and rule. It's about how all of that works, which means that this isn't a parable about being hired for a job or working a normal job. No, this is a parable, not about the laborers. We really do title it wrong. This is a parable about the master of the house, the Lord of the vineyard. It's about Jesus. And it really should be called the parable of the vineyard owner. So if this is a parable about Jesus, we need to see then that what the master of the house is doing is not just hiring. We need to see that the vineyard is not just the vineyard. We need to see that the marketplace is not just the marketplace. Instead, this parable is Jesus going out in the marketplace, that is, going out into the world, into that place where sin, death, and the devil reign. Jesus goes out into the marketplace of the world to hire. But again, hiring isn't just hiring. Jesus goes out into the marketplace of the world to call people out of this world, out of the marketplace, and into his vineyard. And to understand what the vineyard is, you have to understand how a vineyard back then operated. If you were going to have and run a vineyard, it took time and patience. 
To start it, you had to dig and plow and plant. You had to let it grow. Then you had to care for it, tend to it constantly. It could take months or years. It didn't happen overnight. And you had to continue to tend to it until you harvest it. Vineyards then had to be started and had to be run when there were times of peace, long periods of peace, because there was no way you could operate a vineyard in wartime. Or if the land is being ravaged, ravaged by violence or drought. In the scriptures then, when you heard of vineyards, you thought of peace and tranquility. That's what vineyards represented. So here in our reading, the master of the house is not just hiring people to come and work for a job. This is Jesus coming to call people out of the world into the vineyard of his kingdom, his church, where his peace reigns. But notice how Jesus does this. He doesn't hire or call everybody right away. Instead, he calls some, some of the laborers at dawn, Others he calls at mid-morning, still others at noon or mid-afternoon. We even see Jesus calling some at the 11th hour, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, when there's one hour of daylight left. Which means those hired at that time worked one hour. Because that's all that was remaining. We see that Jesus has done this even in our midst, in our congregation. How many of you were hired, that is, called, baptized, into the church as infants at the beginning of the day. We could point to a number of you. But still, others of you were hired, that is, called or baptized as maybe older children, teenagers, college students, maybe some of your, some in your 20s, you know, in the mid-morning. It's those of you that were young when you were baptized, but you could still remember it. Others of you still were called in maybe middle age. At midday, at noon, at others, later in life, maybe your 60s or 70s, mid-afternoon. We've even heard stories, or we've known of people ourselves, whom Jesus called at the 11th hour. That is, in the final years or months or even minutes or moments of their lives. We've seen Jesus do just as the housemaster here did. We've seen him go out in various times of our lives or other people's lives, and call us and others by his word and baptism out of the world and into the vineyard of his church. And notice also, when the laborers get into the vineyard, what it assumed that they did, that they tended to it. The entire time they were there, they worked in it, even suffering the burden and the terrible heat of the day. It wasn't easy work. They worked hard, and they even suffered while they did it. But what are these laborers then but Christians? Those made holy by a baptism which brought them into the church, who do good works while in the church. That's what these laborers are doing. It's what we're doing. We Christians who are baptized, we're doing the good works of the vineyard of the church. We are those who suffer at the hands of our flesh, the world, and the devil as we do the, these good works. We suffer the brunt of the day. As we begin to prepare for Lent, we understand what these good works look like. We're, we're thinking about them now. Works like fasting, depriving the flesh of food or drink or whatever it desires, 
to remind our flesh and ourselves that it's not us in control, but Christ who called us, baptized us, he who owns the vineyard. He calls the shots, not our flesh, not its desires. Good works like those that are almsgiving or charity, perhaps in the form of giving money or tithing or giving to charities or to those around us in need. But charity and love can also be shown in feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, caring for the widowed and fatherless, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, or visiting the sick and those in prison. Those in prison, whether they've been put there because of crimes they committed and need to hear the gospel, or those that were put in prison for being persecuted for their faith. All of it leading those who are suffering into the church, leading those who are lost into out of the marketplace of this world and into the vineyard. Christ uses those good works. These good works of the vineyard are also like prayer. That's what it also looks like when we pray. Where in Lent, we will aim to intensify and spend extra time in self-examination for repentance, in Scripture to hear our Lord, and in the Psalms for prayer. These good works of the laborers are what we're considering right now in pre-Lent, such as fasting, almsgiving, charity, and prayer. Yet, some of us have been in the vineyard longer than others. So some of us have been doing these good works since we were baptized infants. Others, since they were baptized as children or teenagers or young adults. Others, since being baptized in middle age. And still others have been doing these good works only after being baptized in the 11th hour. Now, if you understand this parable in the way the world works, which we often do, then of course we feel for these hard-working laborers at the end of the day because the way of the world is the way of the law. Your wage is based on what you yourself and who you are and what you've done and what you've earned. So if you've worked a full day at the factory, you expect to be paid with a full day's, with a full day's wage. And our flesh carries this over into the parable. And when it does that, then we expect our wages to match our work. So if we were baptized as infants, spending all of our lives, or all the time throughout our lives, fasting, giving charitably, in prayer, going to church, spending our lives being pious, even as we suffered persecution from the world while being pious, while doing good works. Well, if our flesh carries over into this parable what it expects, then we expect Jesus to give us what is ours, what we've earned. We expect then at the altar or on the last day to receive more than those being that more than those that were baptized in mid-morning midday or mid-afternoon, and we definitely would expect to receive more than those baptized in the 11th hour. Because after all, we've earned it, right? And if we don't receive it, our flesh is livid. We don't become angry at others for 
being in the vineyard and forgetting theirs, that's fine. We're angry instead at the Lord of the vineyard for not giving us what we expect to be ours. Because that's how the world works. But if that's how we see this parable, if that's how we see the scriptures or the church or the kingdom of heaven, then we miss it completely. Because expecting as the world does, expecting the kingdom of heaven to work as the world does, turns us inward on ourselves. And we're so busy looking at ourselves and our own works that we miss the goodness and grace of the Lord of the vineyard. Because again, this parable isn't about how the world works. It's about how the kingdom of heaven works. It's not about the laborers. It's about the Lord of the vineyard. Without our Lord, all of us would be those standing in the marketplace all day idle with no one to hire us, no one to save us. Left there with no hope, just slaves to sin, the world, and the devil. Yet our Lord is he who came down from heaven to earth, and in his humility is the one who dug the vineyard, who as a servant planted it with the tree of the cross, who hung on that cross and nourished, created the vineyard, really, with the water and blood which poured from his side. It is from his water and blood in which this vineyard, this church, was created, was built. It's his vineyard built for you. It is our Lord through the word which called us from the world, called us out of the world. It is his blood in baptism in which we enter the vineyard. It is in the vineyard, in this church, his body, where we are saved, where we are justified, made righteous in baptism so we can enter the vineyard. You see, we don't work in the vineyard to earn a wage. We don't fast or give alms or pray or suffer persecution, expecting that those works will earn us forgiveness or righteousness or life eternal. Instead, we do the work of the vineyard because he suffered and died for us. We do good works and love others because he loved us first. We're able to love God because he loved us first and he saved us by his death on the cross. We do the work of the vineyard because being in the vineyard, he has already saved us. If we're in the vineyard, we are already forgiven. We've been given his righteousness. We've been justified before God. And if we're in the vineyard, We hold the denarius already. We hold the hope of the denarius. We already hold the hope of promise to us, the hope of eternal life. Not earned by our works, but given to us 
by him who earned it for us, the Lord of the vineyard. For those who grumble at the end of the day for not receiving a wage or what they expect to be a proper wage for their work, those are laborers that have not yet denied themselves. Their eye is evil. They have held on to their sinful flesh. And that is why Christ pronounces his judgment upon them. He says, take what belongs to you. In other words, what you earned and go. In other words, take the reward. Go ahead, take the reward for your filthy work. Your reward, which is sin, judgment, and eternal death. Take what you earned and get out of this vineyard. Go. You see, if we do these works in the vineyard for our own salvation, they are not good works. They're selfish works, filthy rags. This is a warning for us as we head into Lent. As we think about Lent and how we want to proceed in those 40 days, Don't plan to fast or give alms or pray if you think that it will earn you forgiveness, righteousness, or salvation. If we think we are earning those things, well, you just heard the judgment that would then await us. Instead, as those who are already in the vineyard, we do these good works because we have been called into the vineyard. Because we are saved in the vineyard. Because you want to draw nearer to the scriptures and cling tighter to the cross that is planted in this vineyard. Because clinging to the cross, we are still eager for the end of the day, even though we don't think we've earned the denarius ourselves. We're still eager for the end of the day when we will all together, whenever we were called, receive the same wage. will receive the same wage at the end of the day, whether that is coming up to the altar and all receiving the wage of his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We all receive the same wage at the end of the day, whether the end of the day is when we die and are carried by the angels into the bosom of our Lord. We all receive the same wage, whether the end of the day is when we witness Christ's return in glory on the last day when on the last day we are all given the wage of the resurrection, raised in new, complete, perfect bodies, and we all together go with Christ, follow him into the new heavens and the new earth in his righteousness and glory. That is the same wage we will receive, we will all receive at the end of the day. It's not based on what we have earned. We receive it in his grace alone. As we head into Lent, as we prepare to fast or give charitably or intensify our time in the scripture and prayer, don't head into it seeing it as the way the world works, as if you're earning something. Instead, see it as the way the kingdom of heaven works, which is by his grace alone, 
by his goodness. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with the Tadeum.
Continue with the prayer, beginning with the Kyrie. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. We pray the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We are bold to pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, 
to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Lord, we beseech you, favorably hear the prayers of your people, that we, who are justly punished for our offenses, may be mercifully delivered by your goodness for the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Lord, in your mercy, most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Lord, in your mercy. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Donald, our president, Joseph, our president-elect, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. Lord, in your mercy. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially this morning do we pray for Jerry, Jean, Elvira, Iris, Ernie, Dee, Virtus, and Carol, Mary, John, Marion, Laura, Elaine, Diane, Sharon, Selena, Sarah, and Sherry. Lord, in your mercy. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, 
and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Lord, in your mercy, cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Lord, in your mercy, receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood, your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Alleluia. Teach me thy paths. Alleluia. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who hast safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, might be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let us pray together. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee, to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Thank you to all those who listened and joined us for the matin service on this Christ the King podcast this morning. We pray that the word of the Lord that you heard preached this morning goes out with you throughout all this week and beyond. Please join us next week as we look to continue pre-Lent with Sexagesima Sunday, that is the Sunday within the 60 days of Easter. All music this morning comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We we encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.